listening to episode 15 of that podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Bo. And this week, I'm feeling pretty good about myself because it's the end of the month and so far I've done pretty well with my 2015 goals. Uh, so that's been good. How about you? How are you feeling right now? Um, I'm actually not feeling very well right now. I, I seem to have picked up a cold. Uh, I think I mentioned last time that uh, both Beck and Luke weren't feeling very well. Um, that That went on for like weeks and I was fine, um, and it finally hit me about uh, a day into being in Belgium for PHP Benelux, and uh, my my cold cycle is, is really long. Uh, it never gets as bad as it gets for other people, it seems, but it just kind of like the slow burn of just being kind of a little bit miserable <laughs> for like <laughs> weeks and weeks at a time. Um, my friend Josh, I used to work with him uh, in Seattle and a couple of other places before then, um, he, he always sat, sat by me and I think it took him several years before he finally got to the point where he just blew up because anytime he would sit by me, he would just hear <laughs> about every five minutes. <laughs> like it, there, it's not like a, like it's, it's a tick for me. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing it most of the time, but it just hangs on forever. And I just, <laughs> every, every five minutes or every two minutes. And it just, if you're around me a lot, it'll get really annoying. So we'll see if that happens on this episode. If, uh, if you don't go through and edit it all out, how often I just kind of <laughs> in the middle of talking or whatever. Uh, I, I don't think I'll bother editing it out. Yeah. Worry. yeah. Uh, I'm doing less but, and less editing in terms of uh, noises and things. I think we're both being more behaved in how, you know, how still we cool. sit and how keeping our, our, um, keeping the same distance from the mic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So generally cool. there's not that much editing to do. But yeah, other than that, I've done um, I've done pretty good for this year so far, also on my goals. So yeah, I, I feel like I've been feeling pretty good about that as well. Yeah. Well, we should get into that in a minute. Should we do any podcast news? Um, the main podcast news would be that we actually published our first episode of 2015, which was awesome. Uh, that went out. Yep. Um, I, I didn't actually get any of the social media stuff out on that episode yet. I've been a little behind, so I'm probably going to spend some time today or tomorrow queuing up some uh, scheduled tweets to get some uh, information out about the last podcast uh, probably the next day or so. There wasn't a lot, actually, on the show notes last time, so I imagine those will probably be done by the time we get this episode out anyway. Um, I ran into some people, uh, listeners, in person for the first time, which was pretty awesome uh, when I was at PHP Benelux. Uh, uh, Christian Toffinen, uh, CTFO... F, oh, C-T-O-F-F-A-N on Twitter. Uh, so it was really cool to see him. Uh, he ended up at uh, both of my talks, so that was pretty cool. Uh, I met a, a listener that I, I didn't know beforehand, uh, Tiny Drop Test 2. And for, I, for the life of me, I can't remember what his name was, uh, his, his real name was, uh, but Tiny Drop Test 2. Um, and I ran into Willem Jan, uh, which was pretty awesome. So I, I had, hadn't met him in person before. Cool. So that was cool. Um, yeah. So th- those were listeners that I got to meet in person, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I don't have any other podcast news uh, besides that. So, uh, how was PHP Benelux? And what was that? Oh, how was PHP Benelux? Um, PHP Benelux was awesome. Um, I had a I had a really good time. Um, I, I did something a little different than I would normally do. Uh, one of the things that I've been doing with DDD.io, um, I decided to uh, kind of put together a collection of talks that were related to either domain-driven design, event sourcing, or CQRS. And um, I made sure and attended those and wrote down notes and actually paid attention, which 
uh, is not what I've done at conferences in the past. I've never really taken notes. Um, I usually just go and listen. Um, you know, the talks are usually entertaining and I don't usually write notes down. So, um, I tried to do something a little different. It forced me to actually get out to see more talks. Um, it actually helped me, uh, talk to some new speakers that I hadn't talked to in the past. Um, and I met a lot of other people because of it. So, um, I think I went really well. Um, I put up my review on it already on all of the talks that I, that I went to. Um, so that was fun. I actually got to see talks this time, which, um, some of the conferences in the past I've just pretty much hidden, uh, or just done hallway track stuff. Um, the hallway track was still pretty good. Uh, when I wasn't there, I got to talk to a bunch of people. I've already mentioned a couple of people that I got to meet. Um, <clears throat> as, as a speaker, we got treated to a really awesome speaker dinner, um, that seemed to be less impressive to the European folk than it was to me <laughs> or some of us other state side people. Um, it was at the circus tent and we showed up and they, they didn't tell us where we were going before we got there. And it was, um, a really interesting experience. It was like magic and it was like a show, it was like showing a dinner sort of thing. And it was just really, really bizarre. And they got us involved. Um, there were, I would say probably 20 of the people ended up having to go up to do something with them throughout the course of the meal. Um, uh, the, the first round of people, um, all had to like march around in a circle. And I wish I had a camera to take a picture of Igor's face because he looks so unimpressed. Uh, but, uh, Igor was up there. Um, and they ended up serving us the soup. They had to walk back into the, they got marched back into the thing and they all came back out with chef hats on. And, uh, they, they were the people who then del delivered soup to our tables. Uh, so that was kind of fun. I'm still hoping that, uh, someone has a picture of me, um, trying to get on top of a six foot unicycle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> One of the other people there was picked to hold the unicycle, and I got picked to try to run up and jump on it. <laughs> so he's like, you, you, you go jump on the unicycle. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I'm hoping someone has pictures of those. Uh, but, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, had a, I had a blast. Um, it's my first time in Belgium. Uh, I didn't really get to see very much. Uh, I wanted, um, on the way to, the pretty much the only sightseeing I saw was on the way to the, the, the dinner. Um, but it was really dark out and I didn't get to see, uh, I didn't get a clear picture of these little, um, street signs. They had like a, it was like, uh, it was a street sign that was trying to tell people about the bumps on the road, but it looked like an A, uh, with a fashionable mustache. <laughs> really, yeah. I, 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 I wanted so badly to be able to get a picture of them on the way back, but it was too dark and blurry. So, um, I, th I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I got to sit by a uh, code rabbi on the way to the speaker dinner. And he was talking about how he likes to travel. And like one of the things that he likes just subtle things when he's traveling, even around in the States is how everyone's street signs look a little different. So I thought that was kind of appropriate since at, at that time I was seeing out of the corner of my eye, these mm -hmm. cool little mustache signs. And I was like, I want to take a picture of him, but I'm talking to him. And then on the way back, it was too dark. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess actually I got to see code rabbi code rabbi is one of our listeners so uh, i got to see him too so oh, cool <clears throat> it's so funny you should mention uh igor because i mean uh, did you see um he was he said he was thoroughly unimpressed he was he, he was actually he said he said that he was, he was made to feel quite uncomfortable uh, mm -hmm. and i think he sent, sent the organizers a little email to uh to let him know that he didn't really appreciate it uh so it was a bit oh, of a he, he didn't appreciate the the, the meal yeah i mean i think um i think his his points were that 
they were taken by bus uh, to somewhere they didn't know where they were going mm. to a remote place where they couldn't just easily leave if they wanted to quietly. Mm. Um, they were sort of kind of coerced into doing things, um, and uh, yeah, so he he said he was made to feel very uncomfortable, uh, mm. and he said he said I think he said there was a bit of an undertone to some of the humor and entertainment as well, which he didn't like. But yeah, it was just uh, that just to show you, just to say, and how much of a difference it was. You know, you you enjoyed it, and yeah, you were impressed by the the spectacle and stuff. Whereas some people were made to feel wholly uncomfortable. So, and you know, as yeah. you mentioned, it was quite evident on well, his face as well. So, yeah, well, then I, you know, then I feel bad about that. Like I, um, I I didn't uh, I didn't catch on to that. I guess I did catch on to it, but I wasn't close enough to to, to notice that. I couldn't tell if it was just a. I'm I'm pretending to be annoyed by this because I don't want to be up here. Um, well, yeah, you, you can't you can't always tell, can you? Yeah, so I I didn't I didn't see any I didn't see him mention anything of that publicly. So uh, I guess I apologize for that, Igor. If I was getting entertainment out of something that uh, specifically about your uh, unhappiness, that was not at all my intention. So oh yeah, I don't think Igor would be upset about what you mm-hmm. just said, Bo. I was just mm-hmm. bringing it up. It's some, I to be honest, I wouldn't have mentioned it if you hadn't mentioned that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, and on that, I mean, I think, uh, to be honest, I think the only reason he brought it up in public was he wasn't wholly impressed by the response he got from the organisers, um, mm. which is a bit a bit mixed Mixed uh, messaging, was kind of like, we understand, but deal with it, mm-hmm. if you see what I mean. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, sh- I'm not yeah. too sure. I'm, you know how I feel about these things. I want everyone to be happy. I just don't always know how to make everyone happy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and to be fair, um, especially with my my anxiety issues about being away from, from places that are safe for me, uh, mostly being near restrooms, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I, I can I can appreciate not, want, not knowing where we're going. And that was kind of uh, difficult for me. Uh, to not know where we're going to go and how long we're going to be there. And that's something that Beck and I have in common is that we don't like feeling like we're trapped at a place. We like to have exit routes. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we like to know that we can leave if we want to. Um, and we talked about that before. I actually talked about that with them beforehand. I said, you know, we're like, how late are we going to be there? Because, you know, I was pretty tired that day. You know, I'd been traveling for 18 hours and wanted to prepare more for my talks. And, knowing that they're going to pick me up sometime around six and then who knows when they're going to bring me back. Um, and they, and they told me, yeah, it'd probably be 11, 1130. And I'm like, wow, that's going to be four or five hours. And <laughs> you know, I, I'm sure it'll be fun, but what if I want to leave? And they said, oh yeah, well we can bring you back if we need to. And, but yeah, there wasn't really any good outs for that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, apparently there was, um, at least one of the organizers went by car rather than on the bus. So, uh, there was somebody there <clears throat> to drive people back if they needed to or wanted to, but it's still kind of it. I imagine it's still been kind of awkward. You you kind of asking to leave this thing that they've set up for yeah. you. There's yeah. no there's no quiet way out, is there? Is mm-hmm. so maybe I mean if you really needed to get back to bed, it's quite probably quite easy for you to say that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, if, and and there was no. There, it never got to the point where I felt like all right, well, I really want to leave and I'm bored or anything like that. Or and I, and you know I wasn't having any issues with um i wasn't having any issues with feeling too uncomfortable by doing any of the things you know some of the humor like i didn't clap at some of it and didn't think it was appropriate but um 
yeah. So I, yeah, I, I never felt like I needed to leave. And as it got closer to 11, I felt less and less like I needed to try to find an out, uh, because I knew that we were going to be leaving pretty soon. But anyway. Yeah. So <clears throat> other than that, what, anything else on there to report from Benelux? Um, no, I, I mean, I could talk a little bit about my talks. I go suppose. for it. How did um, it go? Because one of them was a new talk, right? Yeah, one of them was a new talk. Um, I actually, exp so I went into it hoping, uh, I had high hopes for the, the new talk on ubiquitous language um, because I've been pretty excited about that. Um, and uh, that, that was the newest talk that I had put together and I hadn't given it to anyone before. But given there were other people speaking on domain-driven design, um, I kind of thought that it was going to fit really well. Uh, the other talk I gave was on Stack, which the, I had given for the first time at a conference at Symphony Live in London. Um, and I, was, I wasn't really feeling that one very well. Um, since I first started pitching that, a lot of things have changed. Um, with uh, PSR 7 coming up and everyone talking about that, um, not really being sure what's happening with Stack in general, um, because Symphony 3 is coming out. Um, it's, I, I have, I haven't followed Symphony 3 close enough to know whether or not it's going to be the same enough that stack will still work. Um, like the, I don't know, I don't know if the HP kernel interface is going to be renamed or changed. Uh, I, I, I don't know enough about that. So with Symphony 3 on the horizon and everyone talking about PSR 7 and HTTP message PSR, it just seemed a little less relevant. And, um, I wanted the talk to be more about kind of what you can do with middlewares and then talk a lot about PSR seven. Um, and basically saying, you know, stack is kind of a reference implementation for what you could do with, you know, cross framework applications that you could write at the HTTP layer. And within the stack ecosystem, it only works for symphony, but within you know, PSR seven ecosystem, it would theoretically work with any application that uses, um, or that's built on top of PSR seven. Um, and it, it, I got really good. I got a really good reception for it. Um, people liked it a lot. Um, I got a lot of really good feedback. I got a lot of people talking about using stack in production. Uh, one of the first questions I asked was how many people are using stack and anywhere from a third to half of the people raised their hands, which kind of blew me away because it's not getting talked about very much. Um, it had been, had a little buzz for a little while, but I don't feel like people are talking about it. Um, I've only seen a handful of new middleware created recently. Um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, half of, half of the people were using stack had actually used it and most of them have used it in production. So it was kind of crazy. Um, so that was really great. I liked that a lot. Um, uh, the, I posted the slides and Hari called me out and said, how come you didn't talk about PSR seven? And uh, the problem is that um, I didn't change the, the slides very much because I didn't really know where the PSR seven in, in the future talk was going to go. Mm -hmm. So I had I had the same slide. It was a green slide that said the future with an exclamation point. <clears throat> so that was the only slide people saw for like 20 minutes while I just kind of talked about, you know, this is where stack was. This is where it's probably going. Uh, this is where it, PHP is going. Um, and you know, if you're interested, check out PSR seven, talked, uh, talked a lot about MWAP and the work he's been doing on it. Um, so yeah, so, uh, I ended up going back in after the fact and added another slide with a couple of notes so that anyone who looks at it online will see the notes, um, maybe just like four or five bullet points, uh, that are just URLs 
uh, to discussing uh, the things that I discussed during that block. But yeah, otherwise, it seemed to, I seemed to get really good uh, feedback from it. Um, people really liked it. So, did you know Stack was that popular, or that many people that 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 many people were using it? Uh, no, not at all, really. I mean, I'm not as closely tied to it as you are, but I, I hang around in the channels and uh, <laughs> keep an eye on the repositories. But yeah, I wasn't aware it was that popular. Yeah, it was crazy. And it's not even a symphony conference, you know, it wasn't like going to Symphony Live London and finding out that half the people there are already using it. This was like a pretty, pretty wide ranging group of people, I think. I mean, there might have been a fair number of symphony people there, but it wasn't it wasn't a symphony conference. So I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Compared to the ZenCon talk when I wanted to give it as a uncon at ZenCon, where one person showed up, <laughs> so, you know, it, it it's it just goes to show how different the communities are of developers that show up at these different types of conferences. So it was it was good. It was a great experience. I wasn't really sure how that talk was going to go, um, just because it was basically a bait and switch of yeah, come check out how to do Stack. Oh, it's probably not going to be here much longer, mm. um, and it. I mean, Stack isn't really going to go away, and I made sure and said that, you know, it's a it's a, it's a set of conventions. As long as you're using these conventions, it'll work with Symphony 2 until Symphony 2 is no longer a thing. Um, but as far as Symphony 3 in the future, um, it's a little unclear what, what, what Stack's role is going to be in that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, I, I felt like it could be taken a little poorly, but no one really gave me any negative feedback on it. Every, everything I've heard has been positive, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Um, the ubiquitous language talk, um, was a lot of fun. Uh, the biggest feedback I've gotten on that, and this was something that I talked to you about beforehand, was that I didn't have enough, uh, real world examples. Um, which my, my, this was the first, uh, non-technical talk I've given on DDD and I wasn't really sure which direction I wanted to go as far as examples. And I know that one of the big problems with anytime you talk about domain-driven design is that everything is so specific around your domain. It has to be your domain. Um, it's hard to give people concrete examples uh, in their domain if you don't live in it, if you don't know what it is. Because mm -hmm. it'd be really easy to say, well, I'll do this, this, and this, and this. And that's the opposite of domain-driven design because I'm giving you outside input into something that I don't know anything about. Um, so I, I kind of wanted to see how far I could take this concept without having any examples and hoping that the the content itself would be rich enough and strong enough and there'd be enough um, overall general uh, discussion that real concrete examples of this is how this would look on this particular domain could be avoided um, but enough people have given me feedback saying there were no examples there was no concrete descriptions of how did how would i actually do this um, so I guess I would be like implementing ubiquitous language versus just mm. talking about what it is. So if I were, if I were to make any changes to the talk, uh, for the next time I give it, um, I'm probably going to try and come up with some sort of examples. Um, but I just, I didn't want to set the precedent that if you run into this case, this is how you use ubiquitous language to tackle it because then people would look at that and say, oh, anytime I see a customer, then I need to use customer instead of user. And yeah. that's not the case. You know, the, the, you need to look at it uh, a little more deeply. You need to dig into it. So anyway, I, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, the slides themselves ran a little short. 
but um, I had run through them once or twice beforehand, um, and I hadn't gone all the way through them uh, in one go, but I thought it was going to be about 40, 45 minutes. It ended up being closer to half an hour, uh, but we ended up having a pretty lengthy discussion afterwards. People had some really good questions. Um, there were other people in the audience who had other <laughs> pieces of input to go with it as well. So it seemed, I thought it, I thought it flowed pretty nicely and I th was glad that other people were able to give their, um, input on it as well. So I thought that was pretty cool. The other domain driven design talks, there was one, um, uh, the, uh, task based UI talk dis discussed, uh, domain driven design concepts a little bit, uh, and even hit on ubiquitous language. Uh, that one was pretty full. Um, uh, some of the feedback on that one, one one person was a little annoyed that there was no actual talk about UI. Um, and looking at the ta the talk description, I could see how you might may have been a little mm. misunderstood about that. But overall, I thought the talk was really um, really pretty good from a high level uh, understanding of how it works and why you'd want to do it. Um, but that talk was pretty full. Uh, and then the other full-on domain-driven design talk was uh, migrating to domain-driven design. And that one was packed. Both both of those talks had the rooms packed. Um, and that one touched on ubiquitous language a little bit as well. Um, so I had pretty high expectations for um, the ubiquitous language talk, having more people in it. Um, but it was the last talk of the conference, or the last regular talk of the conference. And um, it was up against both uh, uh, Matthias. Matthias gave a discussion on, I can't remember what it was. He, he had an uncon, uncon talk um, on something. I don't remember what it was. So I was up against him and Sarah, Goldman, Sarah Goldman's uh, The Future of PHP in the big room. <laughs> so um, I actually had more people show up for my stack talk than the ubiquitous language talk. Right. Uh, just, just because uh, there was a lot of competition for that slot. And... You know, there were people who had already left the conference. Uh, I think uh, um, I knew a handful of people who already left, and yeah, so it it wasn't it wasn't the best slot for that that talk. So um, it had had a decent turnout, but I I was hoping for more based on the other domain driven design talks. Those seem to be getting a lot of people in them uh, yeah. at the conference. Oh, cool! It sounds like it was good. I wish yeah. I could have been there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in a way, I'm glad I didn't go because <clears throat> sorting out my budget and my finances and stuff, it would have put a big hole in that for my first month of uh, trying to get going with that stuff. So, yeah. Um, on that, I've actually so like in terms of our our budget, it's actually worked really well. I'm surprised at how well it has worked. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of setting the amounts for everything, uh that we're going to spend and sticking to it, tracking it. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy with that. Obviously, it's still a living thing. You know, we're going to have to make changes and adjust things as we go on because mm -hmm. one month isn't really good enough to, as an example of our spending over time. But, yeah, I'm really pleased about that. So if I'd gone to a conference, it would have run me up a few hundred pounds uh, for hotels, conference tickets, travel. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't go even though I missed out on all the fun. So in terms of like the finances and how I've done, like I've actually reduced my debt by 9% this month just because I had a bit... Um, I paid my uh, tax bill for the last tax year and 
uh, I had I'd set I'd set aside roughly the right amount, uh, but also I, it seemed I overpaid last year and I didn't realise. So I had kind of had three hundred pounds in credit with Taxman. So that was a nice boost. And so not only have we budgeted our money for the month and had some spare at the end to pay off debt, we've also got £300 back from the taxman, which went straight on to the debt. So that's been really cool. I'm really happy with like my progress on that. The um, next thing was my weight loss. I'm doing fine with that. Uh, I have lost £8 since the 1st of January, which is £2 a week. Nice, steady weight loss. Um, I'm not finding it too difficult. I'm not getting frustrated. I'm not getting fed up. Um, yeah, but it's just what it is. Cool. That's awesome. Um, we uh, One of the other things that we did this week was we went to, um, we took Luke to a water park hmm. for his birthday. And as far as uh, being uh, responsible with finances, uh, those are the types of things we shouldn't do. <laughs> um, so that's something that Beck and I have been talking about a lot lately, but we're not, it's, we're, we're still finding it hard to uh, not do special things for special occasions. Uh, like you, you mentioned like going to uh, conferences and whatnot. Mm. You know, we're, we're looking really hard at some of the conferences coming up that I'm planning on submitting to. And should I really do them all? Um <clears throat> And if I do go, or should they come with? And realistically, they shouldn't. And that's kind of hard for us to to do because last year we kind of didn't play by those rules at all. We just were like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's bring the whole family and it'll mm-hmm. be a lot of fun. Um, even talking about going back to uh, North Dakota, you know, this the schedule right now is pretty complicated because there's at least three major things going on back in North Dakota throughout the summer. Do we go to them? I don't know, uh, which we really can't afford to. Like if we look at the, the actual budget, um, every time we go, <coughs> it costs us anywhere from, you know, one to $2,000. And um, just because it's a two-day drive, while we're there, we spend differently. My family goes out to eat a lot. And, you know, we, we just, it's easier to go along with that and kind of be like, all right, well, you know, it's okay. We'll just spend the money now and we'll figure it mm. out later when other people are are doing that. And it's not that they're reckless with their money necessarily. They have more than we have. And um, so, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a little different situation. So we're looking at that and trying to figure out if and when we should go back to North Dakota. Um, Beck would really love to go back to Europe again. And, you know, it's really hard to, to say, no, we can't do that. But at the, at the same time, you know, looking at the budget, I don't know. It sounds like you're doing an awesome job at it. And so we're, I know we're both really impressed with that and it helps us to try try to do a better job of it when we know other people are, are doing it. So Yeah. It's a, it's a real um, <laughs> double-edged thing because in some ways it's kind of enlightening because those decisions are made for you. You know, you don't have to deliberate about, thing if you stick to the budget you don't have to deliberate if you can do that trip to the water park because if you've got money in the bucket for it you can do it mm-hmm. uh, and i mean so in our budget i think i have um 80 pounds set aside a month for family days out now we haven't spent anything this month we've been on days out but they've been to the park they've been 
free things essentially you know uh, <coughs> without cost um mm-hmm. and so uh, in a way the decision at the end of the month is what do i do with that 80 pounds or however much it was do i shift it into another bucket to allow me to spend to overspend slightly on something because we need to or do i put it aside for next month and keep saving it up you know to do something more extravagant in the coming months and things so it's in one way it's really easy to spend if you've got to spend or you, you know something's coming up if you've got the budget you can do it if you haven't you can't but then it gets more complicated when you've got uh, sort of things that uh, spread out over the course of the year um you know car tax it costs 250 pounds um you can't pay monthly you have to pay it you know once for the year so as part of the budget i've put you know an equal amount every month down for that and every month i will put that money in the bank ready to pay Uh, but it's kind of weird do you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. it's making decisions like that now that one's a bit easier but things like holidays i've put in the budget um I think £250 a month to go into a saving account for holidays. Now, at the minute, I've just done some guesswork. I mean, that might not be enough for the holiday we want when we come to book it, but at least it'll be something. Yeah. And at that time, I'll use the budget and the amount we've saved up and the rest of the budget, you know, in terms of trends, to make a decision about how much we can spend for holiday on our holiday and how much shuffling we'll have to do to make make it work. But I mean, I've only been doing this for a month, so it might all be rainbows now. Next month might come, the walls might come crashing down on top of me, but we'll see. Yeah. And even yeah, the we... things like, uh, so there's always that toss up as well, sorry. the um, <laughs> Whether it's a family day out or is it Luke's birthday. Mm-hmm. So we have a birthday and gift bucket of money mm-hmm. and we have a family days out bucket of money. Now, I'd be tempted to say that because that was for the special occasion of Luke's birthday, I'd have put that towards the birthdays and gifts budget rather than the days out budget. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we've we've actually tried. Um, we, we had uh, the envelopes of money before. Mm. Like we tried that for a little while. Um, and we've we've tried all sorts of different things and i don't know it's just it's something that we've just been looking at more and more closely over the last let's say year trying to figure out a good way to do this so i don't know we're we're we have we we just have to stick to it <laughs> and i think that's the the hard thing for us and you know that that's true for us uh as that's as true for us on the finance side as it is for the the food and eating side you know um eating at home and eating healthy things versus quick things and cheap things and i don't know it's it, it you have to be intentional about it you have to have like a, a good willpower and it's hard when you're with someone else and it's easy to just go with the flow and mm. like if if one of us is weak it's easy. It's really easy for the other person to just say, "Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, whatever. We'll we'll give in this time and <laughs> eat that horrible thing." Yeah, or Rebecca we'll can be really uh... toy and, um, you know, it's. I I remember that it could be. It I remember there were hard things about doing it on your own 
uh, before I was married, but it was also easier in some ways because you could really isolate yourself from temptations more easily and, um, or just get yourself out of situations that were, um, difficult. Um, whereas it's, it's, it's also, it's easier to have support when, when there's support there, but when, when there's weakness there, it's easier to just give in, to, you know, to give into that. Like we, we can be strong for each other, but then we can also bring each other down pretty easily. So I don't know. It's, it's difficult trying to navigate life with someone else sometimes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, they lift you up, don't they? But then they can also drag yeah. you down with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's life. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and we do that too. We, we're on the other side of that. So um, I'm not trying to say my wife drags me down or lifts me up. I'm saying I can drag her down and I can lift her yeah. up too. So well, it's, <laughs> so it's a balance, ways. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Rebecca can. Rebecca is doing just as well as I am in terms of the healthy diet and things. I said I mentioned before she doesn't really need to lose any weight at the minute. She just needs to get mm-hmm. fitter. Uh, she's been doing a running and things, but uh, Rebecca can definitely be an emotional eater in terms of like. She's had a really rough day. She's like, I want chocolate mm-hmm. or I want Pringles. And <laughs> if she's sat on the sofa eating that stuff, it's so hard, so hard for me to go get a carrot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, it's so hard. And I, I'm, I have slipped a few times, but obviously not enough to, you know, uh, put a dent in or a serious dent in my progress. Uh, but yeah, I'm finding um, so... <coughs> In one way, the budget and the um, healthy eating is actually complementing each other a little bit um, because I'm limiting the eating out. Mm-hmm. And we do have budget for it, and we've eaten out, um, I'd say, at least once a week, but not no nowhere extravagant. Um, but to be honest, when when we go, it, it's very rarely we go anywhere too extravagant with the kids anyway. Um mm-hmm. But also, I've got a budget for the actual grocery shopping, as you'd call it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually going to... So between the budget and also trying to eat healthily, I'm planning out recipes a week in advance. So when I'm doing the food shopping, I, I'm literally buying what I think I will need for those recipes, as well as, you know, the general sort of items that you, you'd need day to day. So I'm wasting less food. Um, I'm trying to pick meals that are that particularly expensive. I'm not using like lots of expensive cuts of meat. Um, and if I am buying sort of uh, things like because meat's quite expensive here, I don't know what it's like in the state. But I'm buying like if I'm buying so a pack of chicken breasts, then and I see I look at the size of the pack, and I'm rather than just thinking I'll buy that pack for that one recipe even though that pack has five chicken breasts in and I only need two. I'm looking to see what else I can do with that pack of... Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's actually forced me into planning the meals we're going to have, which usually means I plan healthier things because they're not... The the quick and convenient things that you do last minute tend to be less healthy, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, it's working out quite well. Cool. I mean, in terms of like um, my streaks and things, I've not been doing my press ups. I need to get back on that. Uh, but I have been drinking lots of water. Uh, the only time I ever falter on that is at the weekend, and um, I'm still drinking the water at the weekend. It's just I'm not at home, so I don't have my sort of big bottle that I know how much goes in it. If you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I um, 
I actually erased my streaks last night. Um, oh, dear. I would say a couple of weeks before, uh, or I erased my, my tracking. Um, I'd say a couple of days before PHP Benelux. Uh, I got I got some weird work-related news and um, kind of knocked me out of my, my schedule and out of sync with everything. Um, so I stopped tracking it at that point and pretty much stopped doing all of the things that I had been doing for like two or three weeks. Um, and kind of made a deal with myself that I would get back onto it after I got back from Benelux. Um, but this week's been kind of crazy, so I haven't done it yet. I think I'm going to start next week again. I'm going to get back on track and get everything going. But so yesterday I actually erased them. So Mm. I felt kind of, kind of dirty about that, but it'll be nice to have a fresh, fresh start. Yeah. Um, Fresh start for Feb. Actually, one of the things that, um, Beck reminded me, uh, she listened to our last episode, um, so I didn't remember I had made this as a goal. Um, she said, you have to get your track lighting up before Friday. Because <laughs> I had said that was one of the things I was going to do beforehand. So I got the track lighting like a week before Benelux and then realized that between the work stuff that was going on and having to get my talks ready, I didn't really need to spend time putting the lights up. <laughs> so um, so I did that last night. I got that all ready to go. Uh, she reminded me at the last minute that, oh yeah, you need to make sure and do that before you record tomorrow. So uh, thanks to her and her diligent listening to that podcast. Um, she reminded me of uh, one of the goals I needed to do. So that's why we were down here last night cleaning up the whiteboard. I, you know, Cleaned off all the whiteboards. Uh, we had a big drawing session with Luke last night, uh, so we got to play on the whiteboards a little bit. But mm. at the same time, I went and erased my my stuff. Uh, she has a list on one of the whiteboards of the open source art projects oh, yeah. that she wants to do, um, which was another thing that happened at Benelux. Actually, we brought the uh, the, the twig prints um, and gave give a couple away. Um, I gave two twig print prints away. I should have written down the the winners. Um, um, I'll, I'll look them up later because they're going to go on the website anyway. Uh, but uh, we gave two two twig prints away, and I sent one to uh, Cologne uh, by way of WorstCon. So Jeremy McCullough brought uh, a twig print to give away at Symphony Cologne. I think it was a meetup at Symphony Cologne. Um, so one of one of the uh, people there has a twig print now too. So oh, excellent. Yeah. So um, I believe we talked about that. Uh, project at, on the last episode. I think it was the the header image was one of the pictures of um, pictures of Beck painting Twig, but no one knew it was Twig at the time. But so the first project that she did was Twig. Uh, it's a picture of Ninja Girl in a log holding a twig. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, seemed to have pretty good reception. People seem to like it. Uh, nobody has bought one yet, but um, uh, we gave away a couple of those. Uh, we also gave away some Sculpin swag. Um, we uh, created a Sculpin poster. Uh, so I gave away a couple of those at Benelux as well. People seem pretty excited about that. Yeah, that's cool. The sculpting poster I really like. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to we'll have to get one of those over to you. Um, speaking of swag. Oh yeah, yeah. the uh, yeah. that podcast uh, merchandise <clears throat> will soon mm-hmm. be available. Um, just before Christmas, I had a bit of an epiphany, and I thought uh, we needed some more merchandise and swag available so i went on hopped on to one of the print on demand sites and uh i got a couple <laughs> of mugs made up and i managed to track down the bow's address um <laughs> via josh in the end um nice but i was still a bit uh i wasn't too confident about it uh, especially when it, like the package said it had been delivered but bow hadn't mentioned it and <laughs> 
I was like, oh no, where is it? And it's, I think even worse because it said it'd been left at the back door or something. You know, yeah. so it hadn't been signed for. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yes, yeah, so a couple of mugs, and by all accounts, they look quite good. Yeah, yeah, they were they were quite good. We uh, we've used them several times now. Um, right, cool. some, I posted some pictures of them, um, and they I thought they looked really great. Um, a little backstory on why I didn't mention it was because um, first of all, we recognize who it came from. Uh, it came from I can't remember what was. I'm trying to uh, remember now, and I can't. Uh, Anyway, uh, Beck uses that company. Like she has a she has some shirt, Ninja Girl shirts and things like that. Mm. Uh, we could we could post the name of it a little bit later. Um, so we recognized it, and our first thought was Grandma sent something to me. Uh, my mom likes to send me things like that, uh, especially for Christmas. Mm. Um, she's she sent me shirts before. She actually sent me um, uh, Offlook and Dfly Dev shirts in the past. Like she'll like track down my logo and put them on a shirt and send them Mm. to me. So she finds these online places that do that sort of thing. So I just assumed that she had uh, done that, (laughs) Um, had sent us something. So I didn't open it right away because, you know, I yeah, open it for Christmas. Yeah, that that uh, that thought had occurred to me as well, but I was still a bit. Yeah. So, um, but we didn't remember her saying anything else was coming, and she's usually pretty good at telling us that. Mm. And I think I figured it out at the last minute. I was like, you know what? I bet, I wonder if this is something from Dave. So <laughs> I actually figured it out. And um, and then as I opened it, I was like, yeah, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> so and then uh, uh, I think we wrote you as soon as we opened it. Or I, I put it on Facebook and tagged you or something so that you would know right away that we got it. So yeah. we were pretty excited. Uh, and Beck uses them too. So uh, we have two of them. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm I'm glad it worked out. I, to be <laughs> honest, I think I I think in terms of uh, I think I can just click a button and that those mugs will be now available on our public storefront. Yeah. But I need to check mm-hmm. and uh, work out which company it was because I have completely forgotten. I yeah, know yeah. I know it wasn't Cafe Press. It no, was one it was, of the uh, other ones. Zazzle. That was Zazzle. Yeah. Yeah, it was Zazzle. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that'd be awesome if we could put those up there. Cause they're, they're great mugs and they look really cool. I like the frosted glass look. It was pretty awesome. You could see mm. through it and it's cool. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, if, if uh, maybe we'll put that on our, our newsletter. So anyone wants wants first crack at them, join our newsletter and we'll uh, post the, the address to get, get them if you want such things. That is a sweet idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, IRC channel. We have a lot of cool people in our IRC channel. That podcast on Freenode. I guess this is the uh, BSP promotion, uh, BSP section of our podcast now. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I mean, I've been uh, trying to sort of say hello to everyone in the in the IRC channel every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of nice uh, that people are sort of responding every day and talking about what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I, oh, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, to Mark Railton uh, mm. just because of his amazing golf progress. I'm so jealous. Um, <laughs> so he lives in Dubai, I think. Yeah, uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he said Dubai. Um, and I think he's working in European time zones despite being out there. So, from what I gather, he was having golf lessons at a club and playing most mornings. Um, but he was only playing on the, the short course, which is a pitch and putt, which is nine holes, and there's no drive. So, most of the holes are 150 yards or something like that. Uh, 
And a few weeks ago, he went, pl- played his first full round. And since then, he's played a few rounds. And he 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 shot an 86 the other day or something. That's amazing. That's that is really. I mean, I've got I've got friends who've been playing, you know, most of their life, uh, and are considered good players, and they sort of average about that, you know. So he's to the fact that he shot the 86 is amazing. I'm really impressed, and je- <laughs> dead jealous as well that he's playing that much golf and getting that much better. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to some brighter weather in this country and I can start playing a bit more often. Nice. Actually, uh, if we go back to the track lighting for just a real quick second, I just wanted to point out that it doesn't work very well. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I was hoping for, um, I was hoping it would help even out the shadows. Uh, Instead, it's added two additional shadows. In fact, they're darker shadows. Like football pitch, yeah. Yeah, so I think the problem is that um, I think the problem is that the ceiling down here is too low mm. for it to um, be able to really help a whole lot. But it was a good experiment, um, and it does help with the lighting in general down here. But it's not fixing the problem that I was hoping it would fix. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. That if anyone else thinking, oh yeah, I should try that. That sounds like a good idea. Uh, depending on how low the ceiling is, uh, it may not actually make any difference. It may actually make things worse. Mm. So, um, it overall, it makes everything easier to see, but the, it doesn't. There's still a lot of shadows when I'm up there. Yeah, so. you're gonna need lights coming down from directly above the whiteboards, aren't you? Um, I don't know if I actually sort of put it into an accountability thing, but uh, in terms of my tiling, uh, all the tiles have gone. Uh, I finished mm. that, so I have made progress on that. I've, we've nice. also, I think we've also chosen some tiles, so I would need Rebecca to confirm that. So yeah, I've made progress on that. The other thing I was trying to do was write, um, and I know you were doing the same. So I've managed to put out one blog post per week, roughly a thousand words. Uh, reception's been okay so far for most of them. Um, I'm, I'm a bit worried about hint and roadblock for next week's post because so far the four posts I've put out have all been slightly related. And I was all I was kind of planning each one of them as I was writing each of them, so I knew, uh, you know, this one was going to lead into this one, this one mm-hmm. was going to lead into that one, um, and I haven't got that for next week. I have some topics to to write about, but they're all a bit wishy washy at the minute, and I need to sort of knuckle something down at least by Sunday night because if I don't have a solid plan for the post by Sunday night, then I will really struggle to get it out for Wednesday. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Your blog, how are your blog posts coming along? Because I've seen a few drafts. Uh, I don't know what you've posted. Yeah, um, I actually have, I think six or seven that are in the works right now that um, I have I haven't published yet. So um, I got about five of them done on the the plane ride back from London. Um, so that was cool. The I posted something new on Source Maven. Um, I did that uh, the evening of Luke's birthday. Um, they fell asleep. Uh, Luke and uh, Beck fell asleep, and so I was just working on things online, and <clears throat> um, I just kind of wanted to do like a recap because I looked back at the Source Maven blog, which was where I used used to post, mm. and I had one whole post last year in May, and it was basically to announce that podcast. <laughs> That's all that I posted in 2014, and he, and that one was a pretty light post. It was basically I haven't posted here in a while. This is that podcast, um, and. Prior to that had been July of 2013, uh, where I posted the, um, the, the audio and video recording of um, my very first talk. So since then, I've, I've done a lot of talks, 
And like, mm. I, I look back and I counted and I've done 29. I think I've, I have 31 talks in my talks um, folder on Bo.io and Bo.io didn't even exist back then. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like just it's so much has happened that I haven't talked about in the open source world. Um, Sculpin is a fig member now and mm. Sculpin's a thing that people are using. I'm talking about it um, a lot. It, it's just, I just realized that there's a lot that I haven't documented at all. And not even that it's all necessarily interesting to everyone, but kind of the point of the blog is to kind of show where things are at and how where things are going. At least that's what I wanted that blog to be. So um, I kind of posted a recap of those things and I wrote that in a night um, and posted that. I'm not really going to publish that one or push that too hard. So it's almost sort of felt a little like I was bragging about all these things that I had done, but I just wanted to show that I've been busy for since um, the last time I posted, last yeah. time I really posted. Um, but I have some more ideas for things I want to put on that blog as well. Um, but yeah, um, I have, I think four or five posts for Sculpin alone. Uh, Sculpin needs a blog, um, badly because there's a lot of information that is just locked up in my brain. Uh, there's a couple of things that I need to announce for it. Um, so I just want to, I, I want to kind of spread these things out so that there's a constant trickle of information. Mm. Um, uh, I want to post a recap of, uh, PHP Benelux from a more personal perspective. Um, uh, the ddd.io post was very oriented towards ddd related talks uh didn't talk about my stack talk at all so i want to i want to post that um and what else was there i think i think those are the main things that i have queued up so yeah I, i've been enjoying that getting that stuff ready to go um i've been trying to, to get back to you when you post your uh request for comments uh as quickly as i can uh, because i know that um you usually seem to, to post it within like a day or so of that. So, um, which, which is nice. I think it's nice to get some feedback. Uh, I know it's nice getting feedback on my posts beforehand. So I like to try mm. to get feedback to other people. So if anyone ever wants to do that, I'm sure both of both Dave and I would be willing to try and look at your posts before you put them online. Um, if you don't have someone who would do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you should just drop us an email or catch an IRC because, yeah. um, I mean, basically my workflow is usually, um, I'm writing, 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 um, possibly a day before so at the minute i'm trying to publish on wednesdays so on the tuesday i would pass around uh, uh just a gist of the post and then yeah so let's take any uh feedback i can and and then on the when i'm actually going to publish as well i actually usually put it up on the blog um and then quietly pass the url around in irc and things like that or to anyone who i think might have a, a bit of a read just to gather some early feedback before I kind of shout about it on Twitter um, so yeah that's usually what I do and you mentioned about uh, not shouting too much about your Source Maven post um, I, mm -hmm. don't, I don't think you were bragging in it it sounded fine but I did a similar thing last week so my post uh, the, my blog post from last week wasn't it's not that it was a bad post but it wasn't a really strong one I kind of opened with it was about object mothers which is a way of uh, creating fixtures for your test and i kind of opened with object mothers are pretty cool and then the whole rest of the post was kind of like saying actually they're not that good they're not that good they're not good <laughs> and i thought well it's a bit i've kind of not given anybody much to work with here i can't you know i actually mm -hmm. at the end of the post i actually mentioned um next week i'm going to talk about an alternative to this which is much better uh, in the meantime, if you really can't wait, go to this other person's blog post. Uh, 
so I didn't overly promote that post because I didn't think it was it really was a, a stepping stone to the next week's post. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, I need to go back and link that older post to the newer post. I must do that. You know, that just gave, um, while we're talking about this, kind of gave me an idea <clears throat> for a feature. Uh, right now, if you, um, a, a feature for Sculpin. Uh, right now, if you set something as draft, it only shows up in the dev environment. Mm. Um, I w- I'm wondering if it would be nice to have <clears throat> the capability Special to actually... Key. Yeah, um, to actually publish the draft posts. Yeah. Um, just hash that, the file, and if they mm-hmm. if they they stick something on the URL that matches a hash of the file, then they can see it or something. Yeah, finding some way to do that because that might be kind of nice to be able to show people the post, but not have it show up in the the RSS feed or in the index list. So yeah. maybe have the uh, the index generators ignore things that are draft. Um, anyway, it's, I, I'll have to look into that a little bit more, but that might be kind of nice because that's something that I would like to be able to do too, is like passing around gifs is okay, but it, sometimes you lose context. Like if you have like images that you're sending along that are important to the text, people might not be able to see them right away. So I don't mm-hmm. know, it could be interesting to, to, to explore as an idea. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's, I've mentioned writing, weight loss, finances. Yeah, that's all my accountability done. I'm clear of that. So um, I've been listening to the Serial podcast. Do you know anything about it? Is, I, no, from, I've, I've, heard, I've heard people talking about it, and, um, but I haven't actually like, listened to it myself. It's from a NPR who make uh, This American Life, which I don't listen mm-hmm. to. Uh, but it's, a, it's like a, a, a series, like a drama um, well, it's not a drama, it's a, a mystery um, sort of crime case, and um, each week is a new episode for the same story. And I've really enjoyed it. I don't. Do you ever listen to audiobooks? Um, no, I haven't, actually. Um, I, I may have heard one or two or parts of one or two in passing, but I've never intentionally gotten uh, yeah. an audiobook. I've never I've never bothered with them myself. Um, Rebecca has read some. She likes the Harry Potter ones, um, but they're read by Stephen Fry, so it's kind of like I think you need a really good narrator for that kind of thing. Um, um, now, so, go on. Um, actually, we bought um, I bought a couple of audiobooks for Luke. Um, so I think we got Winnie the Pooh, um, which he didn't like as much. That one was really long, and then. Um, we got a bunch of uh, of the smaller books, like uh, the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that one. I mean, yeah, of course, yeah. It's kind of uh, it's kind of ridiculous when you look at the price of the the audiobook and then realize it's like a five minute thing and there's only <laughs> mm. you know thirty words in it. Um, but so we we have heard and listened to a couple of those, but I haven't listened to anything that was substantial, with the exception of Winnie the Pooh. But that one was really complicated because there's like five or six different voice actors in it. And it wasn't immediately clear to me, even after listening to it for a while, why different people talk at different times. Mm. Um, I think there's like a narrator and then there's the person that the narrator is supposed to be. And uh, anyway, so, um, but as far as like actual books, uh, I think that's probably the closest I've come to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, um, so, um, 
even radio shows used to have these kind of things on the radio, you know, as in proper mm -hmm. wireless radio. I mean, as far as I know, Radio 4 in the UK still does sort of drama and things. And I think The Archers is still going on, something I've never listened to, but I know of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I really enjoyed this. Um, they have sort of a, the lead, and she speaks like it's a radio show. So it's like a documentary. She's telling you the story. And then they play recordings of other people. Uh, and it, like I say, I just really enjoyed it. I'm out to on to the last episode now. Um, and by all accounts, in the sort of two episodes ago, at the end, they asked for um, donations uh, if you want to see another series. And they were overwhelmed by no donations, apparently. So there's going to be a new series soon. So that's pretty cool. Cool. So I'm excited about that. I recommend people check it out if you want. If you want a break from the usual podcasts, uh, it's been really good. I didn't. I'd recommend it. Cool. I will put a URL in the show notes. Uh, something else I wanted to mention to you. I'm excited about the Super Bowl. Um, I don't. Now I I understand. Uh, we call it American football here. Mm -hmm. I understand it very well from mostly from playing the video games. I used to watch it when I was much younger. But then it kind of went off the telly for a while. Uh, but I understood all most parts of the game in the basic way through video games. Um, and I loosely follow the progress of the Dallas Cowboys throughout the season. Uh, and I nearly always watch the Super Bowl. Obviously, it's not a very sociable time for us in the UK. Uh, so me and my friends over the last quite, well, quite a, lot, quite a few years, uh, we record it. And then we get together on the Monday evening afterwards and watch it. Mm-hmm. So everyone's coming to my house on Monday. Um, I had one of those moments where you kind of invite everybody, everybody and everybody said yes. So there's going to be me and six of my friends sort of squashed into my living room trying to watch uh, the football. And I'm cooking a curry. I'd already said I'd cook as well. Mm -hmm. So I've got quite a task of cooking some Indian food for uh, seven people on Monday night. Nice. But yeah, it should be quite good. Uh, I believe I... I are you a passive Packers fan? Yes, I'm a passive Packers fan. Yeah. Um, so I believe our teams met then, uh, my adopted team anyway. I don't follow much, but I do know that uh, we were slightly, in my opinion, robbed. Uh, I don't know if you saw the catch that wasn't a catch. Mm, Did you no, see it? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't even, I'm not even going to pretend to understand the rule uh, <laughs> of that, but... Uh, in my opinion, he caught it. He looked like he caught it, but apparently he lost control as he was grounded or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was incomplete. Yeah. Um, so that uh, the game against the Seahawks was a very bad game for my household. Um, it's put back in such a sour mood the rest of the day and the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, we were talking. We were talking last night in bed after Luke went to bed, and um, uh, we were getting ready to watch a movie. And she said, "Oh, you know." Um, so we were talking about the Super Bowl coming up, and I I told Luke last night when we were running around outside. I said, "You excited for the Super Bowl party?" He said, "Yeah." So I was. I, I mentioned that too to Beck, and I said, "Oh, you know what he he said the other day? He said, Mommy, I'm not supposed to talk. Uh, Daddy said I'm not supposed to talk about.'" Uh, the Super Bowl because mommy will be sad about the Packers, <laughs> so so that made quite an impact on him because I because he was talking about the Packers the next day or whatever. I said, let's not talk about the Packers right now, buddy. Mommy's still sad. <laughs> so, oh, nice. Yeah. Um. So yeah, where um I said I I told uh, Luke that we can still be excited about the Seahawks because 
that's his hometown. He was born in Seattle. So, mm. uh, we were, we were, um, Seattle, we were Seahawks fans, um, because we lived in Seattle unless the Packers happened to play the Seahawks, in which case we had to be Seahawks or had to be Packers fans. So, um, yeah. so, so as far as I'm concerned, it's great. Seahawks are in the Super Bowl, but as far as Packers fans, they, they were not happy with that game. It's, that was their game the entire way. And the way that they lost was just awful. I think it was like two touchdowns and a field goal in like less than four minutes or less than three minutes. And then overtime and they had two completed passes. Like they hadn't done anything at all like that. That Seahawks mm. hadn't done anything at all like that through the entire game. But they received the ball and did two passes all the way down into the end zone. And it was just, it was just over. It was just awful. So... It was awful if you're a Packers fan. It was awesome if you were a Seahawks fan. I can't imagine how happy they must have felt. Yeah, that's the way Spark goes. Mm-hmm. That's why I like it so much. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I mean, between my group of friends, so I, I said everyone's coming. It's like even the people who don't really like uh, American football are coming just for a laugh. Um, hence why there's more people coming than I thought it would be. But uh, I at least mm-hmm. have a few good friends who are really into it. Um <clears throat> My brother used uh, played when he was at university. Um, it's obviously uh, the standards not very good in the UK. Um, obviously, because it's not a sport we play a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my brother did really well when he played at university because my brother's an athlete. Um, he, you know, he's a proper gym bunny, or he was back then. Um, and he's a quite a natural sportsman. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I think, and it, me and my brother have always been sort of we could like try any sport and we'd we'd do okay it was just you know we've never really excelled my my brother was very good at field hockey um but we never really truly excelled you know uh, anything but we could do everything at least better than average if you see what i mean um yeah so he did so it seemed like uh the university level of the american football in this country there was quite a lot of oddballs that's probably a bit harsh people who didn't have any other sports that they played kind of got into that as something to do. I mean, rightly so as well, because the social life in the university sports teams is amazing. But it just meant that my brother, because he was an you know an athlete and stuff, he could really shine, and he was a linebacker, and and he also played offense as well when they needed him to, and he also kicked, and you know, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, good fun. I'm um, looking forward to it. So you say. So what do you have any plans for it? Um. Well, well, we usually just have like a little party. Uh, we'll yeah. just sit around and watch watch football. So um, it's probably just going to be uh, Luke and Beck and I. Um, we're we're having a birthday party for Luke on Saturday with the cousins. Um, cool. So we're we're going to do that. Um, it occurred to me yesterday, and I haven't talked to Beck about it, that there might be interest in going to someone else's house for it, <coughs> like um, maybe heading over and spending time with uh, Beth and Tom and their 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 three kids um having a packer party sans mm. packers um we, we usually call them packer parties because that's we us- we don't watch football unless the packers are playing mm. usually um because we don't have like any of the the fancy channels that play all of the games so um uh, we only watch the when the packers are on now that we live in in wisconsin mm. um so it's possible we might uh want to go to someone else's house to do a Super Bowl party, but if not, it'll just be us. So, mm. um, it's fun, and you know, halftime can be kind of fun. And 
sometimes the commercials are good, sometimes they aren't. Uh, I think last year was the year that the uh, the power went out. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, you see, this is what the... Oh, you you saw it on the replay, so they cut it out, or? Well, no. So it's we've I record the live show mm-hmm. using my well, you call it DVR, don't you? DVR thing. Yeah. Um, but generally, we don't get the advertisements that you do because obviously the TV deals here. Okay, yeah. Do you see what I mean? Um, yeah. So we quite often see the show, or most of it, but we don't see the advertisement things that you see. So I usually catch those on YouTube afterwards because most of the time I'd actually rather see the advertisements than I would than the halftime show. You know, whichever music acts they get and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. Um, different subject for a second. I don't know if you can, you can see this. I don't know if anyone else can, but speaking of health things, uh, one of the things that Beck likes to do is juice things. Yep. So this is a nice green color because she juices green things. Uh, I'm guessing there's kale in here or something, uh, along with like, uh, apple and maybe celery. Um, anyway, she just brought this down. I thought I'd point out that she, she does this a lot and I really, I'm really starting to enjoy it more and more. Uh, Luke gets involved too, and he he likes to shove things in. So uh, we're trying juicing things. So if anyone has a juicer and hasn't used it in a while, uh, pull it back out again. It could be really, really, really mm. good. It's something I'm really not keen on. Um, really, I just, I'd, I'd just rather eat the the whole foods. Mm. Um, yeah, well, it sounds like you'll you'll just eat like a handful of carrots, which is I awesome. will. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I'll eat any. I so. Snacking wise, I tend mm. to eat carrots or celery or uh, peppers. I'll just mm-hmm. quite happily eat a pepper as well as fruit, of course, or, or nearly all fruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, my granddad, uh, no, not my granddad. My great granddad used to eat a raw onion every day. Um, mm. I'm sure he smelled horrible, but uh, people said he never had a cold. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, nice, yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'm quite happy the, eating veg. I know the kids like smoothies. I don't know what they do with sort of vegetable juice drinks, but I should try it really because uh, Evie likes enjoying it. I'm, I mm-hmm. occasionally make uh, milkshakes, and she likes doing that. You know, putting bananas yeah. and stuff in the uh, the mm-hmm. blender. So yeah, I should give it a try. Really. Yeah, we we do that sometimes as well. Uh, this is, I don't know, we're, we're doing this sort of occasionally just for breakfast. So you know, like for breakfast, we wouldn't normally get a lot of vegetables. Um, so if, you know, we end up getting a whole vegetable out of, you know, drinking something for breakfast, great. Um, yeah. No, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just thought I would share that that's the, one of the things that Beck's been really good at is she's been trying to get more into the, uh, the juicing thing and getting that going and Luke likes it too. Uh, although it's, we, we found that he, he likes Jamba Juice, which is kind of more of a commercial juicing place. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll eat Jamba Juice, no problem, and he'll, he'll have, like, the, the beet and cherry one or whatever, you know, like, these weird combinations, but uh, the green ones that we make at home, he doesn't like, even though they taste the same, or if they look too brown, so he he's he started to, to learn that he doesn't think he likes things that don't look the right color, I think, so uh, sometimes we'll put his in the little plastic cups <laughs> that, that see, you can't yeah. see, and, and they give him a straw, so that that helps a little bit, because... It'll be the exact same thing, and he'll like it. And if he can see it, and if he or if he can't see it, then if he can see it, he won't like it. So, um, it's, it's been an interesting little thought experiment there with him. So, Beck just brought this down, which is why I wanted to to bring it up before I finished with it. At which point, I'll forget to mention it. So, no, no, it's cool. 
Um, so in my work this week, I've made a bit of a milestone in that. Uh, so I've been in this job full time for uh, three and a bit years. And in the last week, it's not merged into master yet. Oh no, it is, this bit is merged into master. I got rid of the last um, sort of old school PHP script in the web root folder. You know, so wow. it was. You know, I think it was uh, search .php, which is just, you know our search mm-hmm. controller is huge and it does a lot of different things. Uh, and there's, there was about a dozen rewrite re. Apache rewrite rules for that as well. So I had to convert those rewrite rules into uh, routes, uh, routes for uh, Symfony, the Symfony routes, and then convert that sort of globally type code into something that would sit nicely in the controller method. And I had to do that a few times, but I got it done. So that means I can effectively use the um, HTTP kernel a lot more for my tests, whereas previously I'd kind of need... Apache or the, uh, some part of CGI, if you like, uh, to do it. I can actually go through the kernel completely and use the router in there. Cool. Um, for a long time, I was using Zend Cache from Zen Framework 1. Um, and I had the whole of Zen Framework 1 just in a, a library folder. So not pulled in with Composer or anything like that. It was just all there in my repository. So I went through and replaced all of Zend Cache with Doctrine. A common cache, uh, so that, and I re- I was using Zen feed for something as well to generate an RSS feed, and I don't think we even use it, so I just deleted that. Uh, so that meant I could delete the whole Zen framework one, so that was cool. So I'm all, I'm getting rid of legacy stuff, and I also got rid of our copy of uh, Smarty because uh, we use Smarty for the templates still, unfortunately, uh, and brought <coughs> that in with Composer. So I think I deleted uh, all in all about. Um, 700,000 lines of code from the repository proper, if you like. There's still the dependency on Smarty, but uh, at least it's rendered in through Composer now. So mm-hmm. so that's kind of cool. It was quite nice to do a bit of work to, to clean things up, if you like. Nice. So, so a bit more of a businessy thing I've been doing, which I've been... I really enjoy doing this kind of work, but it rarely ever works for me. Uh, so I may be testing something... Um, and all I'm doing is, um, if somebody visits our plans page and then chooses a plan to go to the checkout page, I'm recording that in the database. And then an hour later, I'm going back and having a look. And anybody who went to the checkout page but didn't actually successfully upgrade, they go into a bit of a randomizer. And uh, I think one in four people at the minute is getting sent an email that says, you know, is there anything we can help with? You know, we we noticed you kind of went to the upgrade page but didn't actually upgrade. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything we can help with? And if you're having second thoughts, perhaps we could persuade you with this uh, 10% <coughs> discount voucher. You know, because we're just trying to... I mean, they call it um, cart abandonment in e-commerce, you know. Yeah. Um, And it's just completely backfired. Like, it's probably not statistically significant, but... Mm-hmm. People who don't get the email and don't get a discount voucher, uh, 28% of those manage to upgrade at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who did get the voucher is down at about 20%. Hmm. And you know, when it, I know what I'm doing is right, but I just can't statistically prove it. Hmm. 
So I think I need a bit more volume and I need to let the test run a bit longer. But yeah, so you'd think the people who got off a devout 10% discount would be more likely to upgrade than those who didn't. But yeah. maybe I'm cheapening our uh, product or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe I should uh, change the wording of the email as well. Just trying to garner a bit more feedback to yeah. find out why people aren't upgrading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the, yeah, I mean, those things are always complicated, but I feel like a lot of the the things that I've seen around that is engaging with the customer more and asking, or like talking to them and saying, how can we help you versus just trying to cold sell them mm. on Well, that's why else. that's why the email kind of leads with a, yeah. how can we help? Is there anything we could do? Yeah. Contact us, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's. I mean, it sounds like it has that aspect to it. So it doesn't sound like you're doing anything wrong yeah. necessarily. Well, this was the first experiment. The sort of the mm-hmm. final version of what we'd hope is a. So in the e-commerce world, they recommend doing the first email goes an hour to two mm-hmm. hours after the cart abandonment. <clears throat> Second email goes a day after. Third email goes a day after that. Mm-hmm. So I sort of envisage something along the lines of that first email after an hour or two would be. Is there anything we can help with? The yeah. day after might be something like, you know, you sure you you don't, and then maybe a discount voucher or something to entice them back in. I don't know. You know, I remembered listening to um, one of the Bootstrapped with Kids episodes, where uh, whoever had the uh, whichever of them that had the um, the real estate website. Um, the which website? Sorry. There was a real estate or a real estate investment website. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's Brecht. Brecht. How do you pronounce his name? I think it's Brecht. 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 Palumbo. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I remember hearing him talking about changing up his funnels, and he spent a lot of time on it, and sort of doing this, the sort of things you are. And like a day or two into it, he thought that it was just all hope was lost, and that he he'd like ruined it. Um, but then he let it go for another three days and like what he thought was wrong or what he thought was broken was just like not broken at all. It just took longer to hit. Mm. Like it, it did something differently that initially looking at the numbers, everything looked bad, but then some other number, like some other conversion rate was happening that didn't hit right away that all of a sudden the numbers like. Like it was like four times better than he had hoped, but initially it was wrong. So it's possible. How long have you been running this experiment? Uh, only for a week so far. Um, mm-hmm. And there are other variables in play here. So um, yeah. one of those is the <coughs> expiry of the voucher. So mm-hmm. I, I ran with three days because I wanted to create some scarcity. Uh, mm-hmm. So it actually says that in the email as well. He said it says you know act quickly because this voucher mm-hmm. expires. On so and so, so and so, yeah. Uh, but that's something else, you know, that we could we could vary. Uh, mm-hmm. So vary the amount the voucher, when the voucher goes, if the voucher goes, how mm-hmm. long before the voucher expires. Uh, yeah, so there are all sorts of little things you can try. Um, as long as you've got the volume to test it, you know. Yeah, the tests, the results, you know, shouldn't lie. Have they? Uh, has anyone written you back? Has anyone responded to you? I don't know, because that'll go to the help desk, uh, and uh-huh. I haven't been manning the help desk, so <laughs> hmm. I should really ask I think, uh, my boss and see what he says. 
I think that would be an important thing to track because that, to me, that is useful. Like if the if the people are actually writing you back to tell you, oh what yeah, you definitely do to do better. Because um, maybe maybe that's where the value is. Maybe yeah. you've gotten three times as many feedback submissions because of that or whatever. So yeah, well, like that all goes into our help desk. So. Mm-hmm. All being well, my boss will be seeing that, and uh, I'm only looking at the the raw data in terms of conversions. Yeah, uh, that's all I've been monitoring so far. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll probably uh, let it run till Monday, and then uh, reassess, and then because my boss was all for having a little longer expiry. Um, yeah. Which... So I, uh, one of the other things that I remember reading was uh, make big changes. Like if you're going if you're going to change it up. Don't mm. just don't just change the expiry from three days to five days, like change the whole message. Uh, is kind of what I remember seeing. That um, otherwise, you, st- I think statistically, you're not going to be changing enough for it to matter necessarily. Definitely. Um, I don't remember wh- where where I had seen that, but that was one of the things I I remember sticking out to me that because that's not what I would do. I would normally just change like a little little thing here or there. And mm. um, the suggestion was to ch- make big changes to see. Uh, to make sure that the experiment is brand new, and yeah. so anyway. So you start with one big change, <laughs> mm-hmm. you pick the winner, then you make another slightly smaller change, yeah, because you know that is a winner. But it mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just because it won that experiment doesn't mean it's necessarily optimal. Yeah, and you just keep going. You know, you keep trying different things and see what happens. Because mm-hmm. yeah, well, I find it interesting and it's, <clears throat> it's nice to watch. To be honest, I haven't even um, checked the statistics for the opening and closing and how many clicks those emails are getting at all either so i need to check those as well because uh, if the emails aren't even getting opened it doesn't matter what yeah the contents are does it so yeah so that's been quite interesting for me cool. um i mentioned uh before christmas i'd picked up a couple of ebooks uh four ebooks actually um i finished the first one which was <laughs> working effectively with unit tests by jay fields and I really enjoyed sort of the first half of that book. The second half is still good, but it is really highly opinionated. Um, and he, he says that quite openly, you know, this is how I want to do things. This is how I like doing things. Uh, and some of the, some of the stuff in there that he's doing, I wouldn't necessarily do myself, but, uh, generally I think it's a really good book. It would be a good purchase for most people who are uh, comfortable doing testing. They do quite a lot of testing, but want to take it to the next <coughs> level. And then I started reading Authority, which is by Nathan Barry, which is about uh, selling ebooks, uh, specifically by building an audience or, and uh, becoming an authority in the the topic. Um, and it, that's there's some really good stuff in there, but I, I feel like there's a bit of fluff in there, sort of like padding material. Like I don't need a walkthrough of how to submit a book to iBooks or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I could find that on the web. Yeah, you know, and that some of that stuff just felt like it was padding for the book to fill it out to be, you know, this many words or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. But, but otherwise, it's been okay. Um, there's a few bits, a few sort of small things that I've picked up on that I might not have thought about before, and uh, I'll take it under consideration. I wonder if the the target audience is a little broader than a, a tech newbie or a tech tech person who knows. Thought about tech, maybe it might be for like newbies that, but on the other hand, if you want to be an authority on something, like is it targeted toward tech writers or is it targeted towards people who are just want to sell? Um, whatever it happens to be, 
it's not totally targeted <coughs> to, towards tech writers, I wouldn't say. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're expecting to make a website, make a landing page. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah, yeah. It is stuff uh, I aren't paying. I don't need his opinion on how to fill in some forms on a on a yeah. on an Apple website. I need his opinion for his. I, I need his expertise in doing the things he does, which is successfully selling education materials. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah. Otherwise, I think I, I I didn't pay a lot of money for it, so I'm I'm not. I'm by no yeah. means dissatisfied. I just felt like I've, it was kind of like. I was reading it in case there was some interesting bits in between, but I was as I was reading it, I was kind of like, I uh, want to skip to the end of this section. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that's it. Oh, no, the, the one more thing I was going to bring up was um, the ghost uh, security vulnerability. Uh, so it's uh, it was, it's come out this week. Uh, most or lots of Linux hosts are vulnerable. It's a, uh, an overflow vulnerability in glibc which uh specifically the get host name system call uh so basically uh programs and things are vulnerable if they can be forced into doing a dns lookup so lots and lots of different applications for that uh there is a proof mm-hmm. of concept for the people who discovered it uh, their proof of concept was literally uh sending a particularly well crafted email to a linux server uh, to exploit it and they could open a remote shell via that email so if I would recommend patching if you haven't done already but uh, I hope you have and uh, I actually only had one server of my own to patch because I use uh, Ubuntu and I use the latest editions everything was okay if you're if you're using long-term support versions of Ubuntu uh, you need to be patching so running those system upgrades and I also I have one machine that is a CentOS uh, box, so I had to uh, to update that one as well. So, okay, that's it. That's all my notes and all my things to talk about. What about you? Anything left? Um, yeah, I have uh, just a couple of things that I think you told me there was some other stat that you you just like milestone at work. Is that something that you can talk about? Um, oh no, that's top secret at the minute. Okay, all right, excellent. All right, I I, I didn't want to. Talk too much about that because I couldn't remember if that was secret no, no, so. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I had a couple of conference-related things to talk about. Uh, I got selected for PHP Tech, so I oh, get to awesome. give. I get to do a tutorial uh, on Composer. So it's the same tutorial that I gave at PHP World. So I'm going to try and retool that a little bit to see if I can get some of the tech 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 problems worked out of it. Um, but I'm super excited about that. Um, and that's going to, that's probably one that my family is going to be able to come to as well. Um, and, uh, a new conference is currently up on Kickstarter. It's a uh, PHP Northwest, uh, or it's Pacific Northwest PHP rather. Mm. Uh, cause I know there's already uh, PHP Northwest is, but this is the Pacific Northwest PHP. Um, uh, it's put on by, uh, Seattle PHP, SEA PHP. And, um, if you go to the Kickstarter page, uh, you can hear an awesome song sung by the ever awesome, uh, Jeremy Limbaum. Uh, he has a, a song for why you should donate to it. So, uh, they're trying something a little different. They're doing a, uh, Kickstarter for the, uh, uh, sponsors. And so sponsors can still do, uh, sponsorships outside of Kickstarter, but um, if you want to get an early bird ticket, if you want to get 
Um, just want to help back the conference to make sure it happens. They set a really small goal of $5,000 and it looks like they're, uh, almost, uh, four fifths of the way there. So cool. Um, yeah. So I, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I, I love Seattle. Um, I'd very much love to go to Seattle for this conference. So I'm hoping it goes, uh, if everyone can pitch in a little bit of money, maybe, maybe it'll for sure happen. So yeah, uh, that'll be pretty awesome. Yep, have you been to Seattle area. before? Uh, no. Mm. Uh, I've been to Portland. That's not too far away, is it? Yeah, it's it's like five hours. It's not too bad. Five so. hours. <laughs> it's not Isn't too it? bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's like forever for me. I... Yeah, yeah. It's it's a. I think it's a five-hour drive, but every time that we would go there, it seemed like it would end up taking most of the day because uh, we would go um, usually over holidays and. I don't know, I guess there's a lot of people traveling back and forth between Portland, and we would just be, like, at a standstill in the middle of nowhere for no reason. So, um, But yeah, uh, Portland's awesome. Seattle's awesome. Uh, I, I would very much love to end up back in Seattle someday long-term, but we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, five hours is a long time to me. Um, so I live in towards the northeast of England, and I can be on the southwest coast uh, in, in just over five hours, I think, Uh so that that seems a long way, uh, but obviously I yeah. know it's uh, slightly different for you guys. Yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy when we're over in Europe. And like, <laughs> and you talk about driving five hours, you could drive through many countries in in five hours. And yeah, definitely. So, well, yeah, so I do six on my way to Italy in uh, twenty hours. So uh, yeah, so so yeah. Anyway, uh, that's that's going to be a a pretty cool conference. So if anyone wants to jump in on that, that would be awesome. I'm sure they mm. would love love your support. So, um. And as far as personal stuff, Luke's birthday, uh, um, the only technology related thing there was that we, uh, we got one of those toys that we probably didn't really need to buy. Uh, we got, a, a waterproof camera. Oh, cool. Um, um, and it was on sale at Best Buy and, um, Beck had the idea initially of getting a little disposable waterproof camera. And so I went and looked at them one night. I, I had to go get cough medicine anyway. So I found myself at Walgreens, uh, which is a kind of a, it's mostly like a pharmacy sort of place, but it also has other things like they have like uh, photo processing and stuff. So, yeah, you know, there was like a $20 digital, uh, $20 disposable camera that had 27 shots on it. And I was like, it's 20 bucks for a disposable camera. Um, so, um, I went and asked the person, I said, how much would it cost to, uh, get these pictures, you know, uh, developed? He's like, uh, $13. I was like, or $14. I'm thinking to myself, I don't really feel like spending, you know, $45, $50 to get 27 photos. So uh, I started looking, I started looking up to see whether or not they had cheap digital, um, photos or just cheap cameras that we could use that were waterproof. Um, and I found this little, uh, HTC RE, um, and I, I don't have it with me, so I can't show you, but it's this weird little stick you hold that looks like almost like a periscope. <laughs> um, right. so you, you hold the stick and it's supposed to be waterproof, uh, up to like, uh, six feet or three meters, something like that. Nine, nine feet or six or, or three meters, um, <clears throat> for up to half an hour. And, uh, so we, so we got that and that, that ended up being, I think it was like $120 on sale. Um, so it was, you know, it was three, three disposable cameras worth of things, but an unlimited number of photos mm. cause it's a digital and it worked great. So I'll, I'll post some pictures and I'll share some of those with you. Um, so we have some videos of us going down water slides. 
like uh like i was in the back and beck was in front of me and luke was in the front so i would i would like hold the camera up over them and like luke would put his hands up going around the corners and stuff oh and that's great yeah it's it's a completely different experience than i had expected it was it worked really really great so if anyone is looking for something like that i i could highly recommend using the hdcre um i don't know how how long it's going to last because we've only had it this one time but it handled the water just fine we have some underwater video of, mm. you know it's great it worked really cool so that was pr- pretty fun yeah no i don't uh things like cameras uh especially when you got the kids <laughs> i just don't think it's uh it's a no-brainer to buy things like that because you know it's not just the the photos you actually <clears throat> take uh they they'll provide so much entertainment and value for hopefully you know 40 50 60 years uh for yeah. you know for us as parents but then especially the digital age now uh, now if they were if they were printed photographs they do get passed down to so you might pass them on to Luke but it's a bit different you know it's not quite as easy as passing you know your online archive of your whole family albums you know what I mean uh, yeah so yeah I mean I've I don't have a super expensive camera um but I made sure I've got a good camera. I have a a little uh, video camera and stuff, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't have anything waterproof. I did use for an older camera. I had one of those sort of bags that, like, it's almost like a Ziploc bag, yeah. <laughs> and it worked okay. But it was a bit weird and awkward. Uh, <laughs> and I took that uh, snorkeling with me uh, in the Maldives, and it, like I say, it worked, but it was a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, I was um, I was really happy with it the way that it turned out um, because. I found, uh, we weren't sure what it was going to be like to not have a viewfinder, mm. uh, but I found it very freeing to not be able to see the picture that I just took. I could take six of them if I wanted to. Like if you don't, if you have just like the little disposables or actual film, you have to be careful what you take and, yeah. and whatever. So I could still take like, you know, two or three every time I did it. Um, but I didn't, I found myself just taking a snap and not being too worried about how it looked and not but but at the same time not feeling like i just wasted anything so yeah. it was kind of nice i like it was really not disruptive uh you know if we take it we normally take pictures with our phone these days yeah. and you know that can be really distracting because you're always looking at it and it kind of like takes you out of the moment whereas this you know if something interesting was happening i could just raise my hand and click and you know beck and luke wouldn't even know that i had done anything and for the most part i didn't either you know i was like click and check it later and you know, we ended up with a lot of really bad photos, but we also ended up with some really cool ones that just were just, you know, what happened. So it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, the As far as the this whole concept of, like, a digital archive of photos, that's something that Beck actually gets really stressed out about. Um, because of the amount of photos that we take and the amount of videos that we take, it's literally impossible to look at all of them and mm. curate them and... You know, like if I take six photos and only one of them is good, or all six of them are good, but it's the same, it's essentially the same photo. Which one do you delete? <laughs> Who's going to go through and delete the ones that oh, you yeah. don't need? Um, so she gets stressed out about that quite a bit. Um, she's she's taken to uh, going through things year either a year at a time or a big event at a time, like Luke's birth, for example, or our wedding, and basically cherry picking some photos um, mm. to print books. We have photo books. Yeah, we have um, a few of those. They're nice, aren't they? Yeah, and and those are nice because they're 
things, they're tangible things that you could hand down to other people and mm. you could show other people without having to sort through 3,000 photos from last year or... Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And in our case, 10,000 photos. Yeah. I, don't, uh, I still uh, I still advocate printing them. I just... Mm-hmm. It, it's never... The, you know, I mean, I think a digital archive is far better than the film. So, yeah, yeah. you know, previously you would we'd have kept the film and the prints, but you just... Yeah. The film's just not convenient, <laughs> is it? Mm-hmm. Um, I see the things like the archives of photos. Like I want a, I want a fifteen-inch television with a decent touch interface for because put thumbnails of photos on a on a computer screen and they're not big enough for me. Mm-hmm. But if you put thumbnails on a fifteen-inch <laughs> television so I can look at it in front of me, do you see what I mean? So you can actually yeah. see the photo in a reasonable resolution, at a reasonable size. And see mm-hmm. a lot of them on the screen at once, and you can start to do that kind of tagging. And do you see what I mean? So, in yeah. twenty years' time, it'll mm-hmm. be easy to do that stuff. I'll tell you. I'll I tell you. I'll tell you now. Yeah. But um. Yeah. The um. Go ahead. There was something to be said for film in that um. That we don't get with digital, in, and it is that surprise of taking the photo mm-hmm. and not knowing how it'll come out. Until, yeah. uh, you know, when you get developed, I mean, uh, I've still got some uh, film undeveloped from, uh, like, holidays, uh, well, 10 years ago now. So it'd be quite interesting to get those developed now because I just no idea what they, those are going <laughs> to come out like. Uh, yeah. And you don't get that with digital, you know, you look at it straight away, you get instant mm-hmm. feedback, don't you? Yeah, and that's what was interesting about this this camera was that you didn't get that, so it really was a surprise when we yeah. got back and could start looking at it again, so... That was pretty neat. Yeah, cool. Right, I should uh, go start arranging dinner for my family. Um, Anything else you want to chuck out there before we go? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much, Bo. Thanks, everyone else. All right, sounds like a wrap. You've been listening to that podcast with Bo and Dave. You can find Bo on Twitter and Google Plus at Bo Simonson and Dave on Twitter at Dave Development. You can subscribe to this podcast and review it on iTunes. If you'd like to review us but don't feel like we've earned five stars, email us so that we can talk about your issues. You can also subscribe to this podcast with RSS from our website, thatpodcast.io. From our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter to get super secret extra content from Bo and Dave sent directly to your inbox like the music you can thank gorillo for allowing us to sample the track dust kingdom for our intro and outro you can find dust kingdom and other tracks by gorillo at grillo.bandcamp.com spelled g-r-i-l-l-o 